What's good, guys? This is Josh. And I'm Joe. Of The Healing Dudes, and this is episode two, where I will be sharing my story. All right, so um, let's get into it a little bit. So, Josh, I've known you for over 16 years now, and I know most of your story. Um, for those that know, know nothing about Josh, he's got a pretty incredible story that involves, you know, a wild up-and-down ride one where he meets an NBA superstar and his son becomes internet famous um, yeah. alongside while he's dealing with a chronic illness. It's pretty incredible. Um, but why don't we just like start from the beginning? So I've known you since 2000, I want to say 2007, 2008, maybe around yeah. something yeah. like that. And that's kind of when me and him met online. Um, why don't you just pick it up from when you first got sick and like yeah. how that all kind of came to fruition? Yeah, so I got sick in 2006. Prior to that, um, I was a success, successful engineer for the federal government. Um, I'd taken a business trip down to Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I'd had a tick bite probably a month prior at playing paintball with some coworkers, and I'd gotten bitten and which I didn't know today to be an endemic area which is Loudoun County Virginia and took you know I, I, I had this out-of-season flu after the bite went to the doctors they actually tested me for Lyme I tested negative um, it was pretty bad I couldn't get out of bed but after two weeks I'd fully recovered thought that it was just a summer bug and went on about life I'd taken my dream job down in Raleigh North Carolina so had put my house for sale that was in D.C. and decided that I was going to move my family down to Raleigh. I'd gone down before my family to Raleigh. Um, the company I was working for put me up in a condo, so it was kind of, I was 26, so it was my first time mm -hmm. really approaching life by myself and um, in a new city, so it was, it was really exciting. And I ended up going to work one day and was super fuzzy and foggy and... Yeah. You know, felt lightheaded, but didn't really think anything of it, and uh, you know, just kind of brushed it off. And the next day, I go into work, and I, I felt it again. And I was in my office, and I felt like I was going to pass out, and my heart was pounding out of my chest, and I just didn't know what was happening. So I literally push off my desk with my two feet <laughs> in my roll chair, yeah. and uh, it was a king complete goofball at work and people were used to me joking around so I push out into the network operations center and I'm talking to the guys I'm like hey look I think I'm gonna black out I yeah. need someone to call 911 and I'm sitting there holding my chest chest was tight you know I thought I was having a heart attack everything seemed like it was caving mm -hmm. in and next thing you know I'm on a, a gurney the EMTs were there you know they they pulled me out and that was a a nice what? embarrassing ride what year was this this was this this was in 2006 okay 2006 yes. so they're pulling me on a gurney out. I get to the hospital. Um, I don't know what they gave me, but um, from the moment that I woke up in that hospital in 2006, I have not been the same. My brain, Damn, yeah. my brain has literally felt like it's in a perpetual state mm -hmm. of fog, disconnected, mm -hmm. just almost like I'm from the outside looking in. And what I learn now, the yeah. symptoms are called, you know, derealization, depersonalization, which I know you yeah. you know really well, and 
you know, I, I, I went downhill really fast. It was joint pain, fatigue, heart palpitations, anxiety, depression. Yeah. Um, literally felt like I was walking around with the worst flu that I ever had 24 mm-hmm. seven. And then this new symptom where my brain literally just felt like it was on fire. Like I wasn't connected to myself and I would yeah. go and I'd explain it to doctors down there. And they told me that I was just overworked and stressed and had a panic attack and, and whatnot. So yeah. I tried to, you know, I took two days off work and I tried to get back into the swing of things and realized I wasn't getting better. And I went to another doctor's visit and he, you know, prescribed me a bunch of psychiatric medication, told me to take these and that I'd feel better. And, you know, at that point I trusted doctors to be mm-hmm. experts, but I did take those and, and I didn't feel any better. About how long after you first got sick to the point where you you started seeing doctors and like started getting these bullshit diagnoses of like you know right yeah it's all in your head and stuff like that how long did that take you know <sighs> to actually get the Lyme diagnosis well no well the Lyme diagnosis but in order from the time you kind of were in your you know first got sick at mm-hmm. work to the point where you gotten to see doctors and they were basically telling you you know, this is psychosomatic or that this is like anxiety or whatever. How long did that take? So from, I had first gotten sick, had that out of season flu two, two months. So about, it was probably about two, three months that all this started going on. And I, I couldn't work any, anymore at that point. So I decided to go back home. We took our house off the market. We pulled the contract on the house that we'd bought in Raleigh and I was bed sick. I was 26 years old. Mm -hmm. I thought that I was losing my mind. All these doctors told me my blood work and scans came back, so I felt like I was crazy. And yeah, totally. I dude, I yeah. totally can relate to that. I'm sure so many people, you know, listening to this can also relate to that. You know, we're we're all told like, you know, this is crazy. You don't have anything wrong with you. You should see a psychologist or psychiatrist. A lot of people have that sort yeah. of. Yeah, it's insane how it works, man. Yeah. And it's just I've I've been fortunate enough to talk to a lot of patients and understand that their story is very much the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, days turned into weeks and weeks yeah. turned into months and I didn't get any better. And yeah. I'm eating through my savings. I have a mortgage to pay and car a car payment and a kid and family to support. And, you know, I, I you know, busted through all my savings that that 26-year-old had. Yeah. And, you know, there was no choice but for me to go back to work. So um, I decided to do that and was commuting two hours around well, two hours to work and two hours home. Um, if you've ever lived in the D.C. metro area, you know how terrible traffic could be. So feeling as sick as I was, literally like I was walking around with the worst flu ever, and then having to sit in traffic, feeling like I was going to pass out, black out. I was lightheaded all the time. And, you know, ultimately, I did that for two years. I would get up, go to work, yak in the parking lot before work and do the best that you I could did that to get for there. two years. Yeah. You know, try, I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't even realize that, that it, was, it was, was two years. Dude, it was so intense. And, you know, I just worried because I, you know, I didn't want to lose my house and yeah. stuff like that. And ultimately at the end of the two years, I, I crashed hard and my final straw was going out to the car one day, going to stick my keys in the ignition and not remember how I, you know, how to start my car. I always drove manuals, mm-hmm. and then not remembering how to drive, and then taking ten minutes and literally sitting in my car and realizing how bad my memory had gotten. Once I did get it started and put it into first gear, I literally drove loops around the um, the office park where I worked because I couldn't remember how to get home. Wow, and um, that's intense. You know, man. I that's had crazy. To, it is, and I had to have my dad come get me. 
And it was at that point that, you know, I, I kind of crashed on the couch because I pushed so hard those yeah. two years. And we're That's about... actually quite impressive that you were able to freaking do that for two years because <laughs> my story's a little di- little different, but... Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it, man. You know what? Like, it, it's... Those two years are a blur, and I think that I did more damage to my body pushing. Yeah. So <clears throat> later, we're going to cover, you know, pushing and, and doing it in the correct way, yeah. um, opposed to just killing yourself out of madness yeah. and, you know, pursuing a career. So... I crashed on the couch, and this is where it started to get severe. Is mm-hmm. you know, um, I literally couldn't get off the couch. I had no energy, no motivation. Yeah. I felt sick all the time. Um, my son was probably two years old at the time, and I'm trying to take care of a two-year-old while I'm sick on the couch, and it just didn't work well. And I yeah. was losing lapses of time. I had hair falling out. You know, my heart was going nuts. I was having palpitations. Non-stop, 24-7 anxiety. My heart rate was always high. Yeah. And I always felt like I was dying. Yeah. I slowly became agoraphobic. And for you guys that don't know, that terrible feeling, it, it, it's a fear to essentially leave your house. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everything that was going on with me, I'm now 28. And so this is 2008? 2008, yeah. yeah I, I realized my life was, you know, I was losing it right before my eyes. Gotcha. And um, the hardest part of this, you know, is about three or four months into this, went through all my savings again and realized I'm about to lose my house. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, built cars and, you know, just it always been a love of my life and, you know, riding motorcycles and <clears throat> quickly, you know, I saw those get repossessed. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, I look out in front of my house and there's a foreclosure sign sitting there so the, the the feeling of hopelessness and worthlessness just crept in and you know it took its toll on my marriage and yeah. all I wanted to do is, is to be better and family and friends around me started to think that I was crazy and you know friends started to distance themselves and I really didn't know what to do I felt hopeless I felt alone <clears throat> and you know I was no by by no means a weak man and I, I, I thought that I was constantly having to prove that yeah. Um, so on top of that, you know, I started getting lightheaded and feeling like I was going to pass out anytime I went anywhere. And I just stopped going to places. I canceled doctor's appointments. Mm. It became difficult to leave the house. And slowly over time, I just got progressively more worse. Yeah. And we lost the house. We lost everything. I had to move into my mother-in-law's basement. And, you know, from there, things just... Had you, at that point, had you even gotten a diagnosis or were you still like kind of... No, I was still, I was still told that I had anxiety, that, that it was depression and, you know, all my family and friends thought, you know, that it was, that it was just anxiety. I actually had a doctor write down on a piece of paper, you are healthy and he gave it to me and he's like, anytime that you're feeling sick, I want you to look at this and remember (laughs) that all your labs come back fine and that, that you're healthy. And I just looked at him and I was just so broken because my parents... Um, you know, wife, everybody just didn't believe that I was sick, you know, that it was just anxiety because that's what they're hearing from the doctors. And, um, you know, heard a lot of comments, but how can you just throw your life away? And I had no choice. It's not like I woke up one day and decided, Hey, you know, I want to work really hard to be successful at my career. And Hey, here the next day, let me just dump my career and everything that I'd known Mm -hmm. for and lose everything that I'd worked so hard for. That's like the most messed up thing that I think that happens to most people is they get this you know, from doctors basically telling them, you know, you're healthy, it's all in your head, it's, you know, why can't you just 
just forget about it, just kind of do it. And it's like, you know, like I can relate to that story so well because Mm -hmm. same thing happened to me, you know, where doctors are basically telling you like, Hey man, we don't see anything wrong with you. Maybe, you know, you just got to live your life. Like, like, you know, and, and you're just telling yourself in that moment, like, this guy has no idea what the hell he's talking about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. as I'm sure you felt the same way, like, and it makes you feel worse because it makes you feel like, am I crazy? Like, right. am, I, am I, like, am I losing my mind? Yeah. Like, it's, is this all in my head? And then you start questioning yourself and it's just a... It's, it's crazy. I actually had a turning point. So in 2009, um, my family had gotten together and thought that it would be a bright idea to send me to an inpatient and... By no means crazy. I felt crazy, but um, I had ended up in a uh, inpatient facility in Fort Lauderdale. You can come and go as you please. Um, it was one of these bougie, you know, luxury places that are trying to like, you know, fix your diet and do all these different things for your mental health. And I got in there and I'm looking at the people and you know, people have mental illness and it is a real illness, but I wasn't like these people. Mm -hmm. And after two days in there, you know, talking to the doctor, he's like, there's something wrong with you. Your blood pressure is low. I think it was like 90 over, you know, 55. And you know, I'm not good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm six, three. I'm not a, I'm not a small guy, you know, so it shouldn't be like that. My heart rate was sitting around 120 the entire time. He's like, buddy, you're sick. There's something wrong with you. He's like, I wish I had the tools to diagnose you. He's like, what I am going to do is he's like, I'm going to get you out of here. So, you know, he did that. And I went and spent two weeks in the Florida Keys and just tried to recenter myself and and, and come up with a game plan. And during that time, um, I'd gotten on the computer and this is before uh, Facebook days, but you know, I still used AOL and some messenger and was on, um, my MySpace and yeah, yeah, yeah. had met someone in an online support group that had anxiety that asked me, had you gotten tested for Lyme? And I said, yeah, I tested negative. And they'd said, that doesn't, that Just doesn't yeah. necessarily matter. You know, testing with Lyme disease is, is highly inaccurate. So yeah. I did exactly that. I went and found what's known as a Lyme literate physician, got tested, finally came back positive. Mm-hmm. And when I had that validation that I yeah. wasn't crazy anymore yeah. I basically wanted to be like hey screw you to yeah. everybody yeah. because you guys all thought that I was crazy now that I had answers I thought you know I was so happy I was like I'm gonna take whatever drugs you give me I'm gonna get yeah. better mm-hmm. this is the end of it I'm gonna get my life back um, you know I'd almost been sick for for four years total That's and crazy. you know I quickly found out that wasn't the case I found <laughs> out these practitioners don't take insurance that oral antibiotics and IV antibiotics and, and all the things that come with it aren't that. So yeah. I went down the line of, of seeing these very expensive Lyme literate physicians doing oral antibiotics, IV antibiotics, every treatment under the sun and hoping that it would make me better. And in yeah. all actuality, dude, it only made me worse. Did, it, um, did any, in any of that period, like, did you have any sort of like relief in any of your symptoms when you took some of this treatment? Like even for just a little bit. I'll be honest with you now, not with really? not not with an, okay. antibiotics, not for okay. me. I know that some people do see yeah, relief. Yeah. I'm I'm not a firm believer in long term antibiotics. Yeah, 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 for but, sure. But um, you know, to each their own. You know, not everybody's path looks the same. But you know, I did what I was told. I took all these medications, and next thing you know, dude, I'm in bed sleeping 18 hours a day. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm losing strength. You know, the the pictures to to look at back then. Are, are pretty disgusting, man. I needed help doing everything. And I slowly began to just, you know, more lightheaded when I would walk. You know, yeah. I would literally get up to eat one meal a day. 
use the restroom and it was so so you think the antibiotics actually kind of made you worse in some way yeah yeah i i think that i became toxic from all the antibiotics yeah. that i was on and all the neurotropics and all the different medications yeah. that i was put on to okay. kind of keep me numb while i was on treatment so gotcha. yeah it, it, it was you know it was a tough road and and went through that for a while and um you know it, it actually you know it was a uh, a really dark time for me okay. so this was like basically years just kind of in and out of like trying different treatments at this yeah, point. Yeah, different just, Lyme doctors, just, you know, just, just yeah. literally any, any sort of trending treatment or anything. And I became yeah. really ingrained in the Lyme community Yeah, yeah. and, you know, made a really, uh, a lot of good friends. It's where I met you yeah. and would talk with certain other people, you know, throughout the day. And that's what helped me get through. But yeah. to be honest, man, we would sit and we would wallow in our sorrows yeah, and exactly. it's, it, I don't think that that, that, that was healthy now looking back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going through this, you know, I had a lot happen in life. You know, my mom had gotten cancer, so we moved um, right outside Charleston, South Carolina, to a small town called Monk's Corner. And, you know, money was super tight, and, you know, we couldn't really afford treatment. So I came off everything and uh, just tried to wing it. And literally, um, I had just the one son, Noah, at the time, and we, you know, we'd lay on the couch. He'd watch movies with me. I say I homeschooled him, but he actually was on a homeschool program on the computer, so he would do that. And I'd grown more weak and lightheaded and got to the point where it was really difficult to get around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, he was bringing me what medications I did take. He you know, he knew my whole medication routine and schedule at eight years old, and you know, he would bring me my lunch and you know help me around but really got to form a bond with him and you know he would take me outside and we'd walk just laps around the tree in my front yard dude i mean i I don't know how else to paint the picture it was a really grim time it was a really dark time but you know he was there for me so i want to also kind of transition because this is you know this is around eight years old how'd your son get into basketball because there's a story gonna probably come up soon how did how did were you into basketball yourself? Like were you know? Yeah, you yeah. So you know, nothing, nothing crazy. So I played in high school. You know, okay. all four years on varsity. Um, okay. I unfortunately didn't take it as seriously as, yeah. as as he did. But you know, before I got sick, I played in um, a men's travel league. Gotcha. You know, where we competed all around DC. And uh, I mean, I was I was fairly good. I loved yeah, it. Basketball yeah. was you know uh, a pretty incredible part of my life. But, you know, from there, from South Carolina, you know, my mom had passed. We went through a lot of stuff, and we ended up moving back to Northern Virginia where, you know, I I progressed again. Had an incredible doctor that treated me for free, holistically. Still wasn't making progress and, you know, still on the couch every day. And literally, my son was just, he was my hero, man. He was was there. You know, he knew everything about me. We talked. We became so incredibly close and I remember sitting on the couch one day and you know asking him you know if there's one thing that you could do what would you like to do and he said you know I'd love to play basketball Mm. well that's not realistic bro I didn't drive I I, I didn't really leave the house or anything like that but as a father you know and him as my best friend I wanted to do whatever I could for him because he always saw me sick and curled up on the couch so I signed him up for a rec league and the unfortunate part is that rec league was 45 minutes away and I had, yeah. I hadn't driven in three years, dude. Yeah, yeah. So it was difficult, but I remember the first, I remember his very first practice, like it was yesterday, um, going in and getting up and getting in the car 
and he's sitting in there and I make it about three minutes down the road and I have an instant panic attack bro really? I'm freaking out like you know I was suffering from full-blown agoraphobia yeah. And, you know, I, I started to turn around and then I turned back and I started going that direction. <laughs> I pulled over. I got sick on the side of the road and I'm shaking the entire time. You know, I feel so just yeah, yeah. disconnected from my body and I make it there for his practice. And he's like astounded because I'd never gone yeah, anywhere yeah. with yeah, him. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting in there and I literally go to the bathroom. It was held in a church. Um, so, you know, inside this church... You know, they're sitting there practicing and whatnot, and I go to the stall in the bathroom, and I'm sitting, like, on the toilet with the lid down, my knees to my chest, you know, rocking back and forth, just hoping and praying that his practice would be over soon. It was, and, you know, I got to see him smile and just how happy it made him, and that translated into, you know, an incredible love for the game for him. I would sit out on my front step, and he would set up cones and dribble, <clears throat> and you know got a goal for him out front and rain sleet or snow he would go out there and that was my joy when I was sick dude that's what would get me through the day is you know um watching him go outside and play and practice and, mm -hmm. and whatnot so was he so like was he a natural right away from or was no that no not a, not at all okay. bro he 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 was a natural hard worker okay, like I was you. and you know I wanted him to see that because he didn't get to see that part of me before I got sick so literally it would grind, would grind, would grind, and um, what was crazy is just like I started stepping out of fear. Even though I felt terrible, mm -hmm. I started taking him to practices. I volunteered to coach, which I walked out of games because I hadn't felt well. Yeah. I mean, it's so much transpired during this, but he just fell in love with it. And basketball in D.C. is is amazing. It's yeah. it's one of the best areas for basketball in the country. So. He, he gets to go into, you know, PG County and Southeast D.C., which are tough areas for basketball, but a lot of big players like Kevin Durant and stuff come out of there. And he just got really good. And yeah, I remember, like, the first time I, I didn't know anything about, like, your son at all. And then, the, then I started just seeing videos, you posting videos of him, just, like, this, like, incredible, like, little phenom at, like, dribbling the basketball and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it's so funny, dude, because, you know, I started posting his videos because it was literally, I would sit on the front porch yeah, and I would literally just watch him dribble, yeah. like go through his drills. I'd give him drills. I'd be sitting and, um, you know, he, he would just do it. And I, I felt like I owed it to him so many for, for many years when I homeschooled him. So he was home with me when I was sick. Yeah. Um, I would just, you know, essentially try to direct him and guide him. And I told him, you know, if do not believe that anything's impossible. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, your life isn't promised tomorrow. Like, you could get just go hard today and enjoy this ride. So that's pretty incredible. You were that sick and you were literally trying to coach your son who was like, you know, just wanting to play basketball and you were still able to encourage him. And it sounds like he kind of helped you out too. Like, you know, him having that love and yeah. stuff kind of got you out of your comfort zone and like, started doing things a bit more even though you were you were sick right the yeah. basketball part was definitely the silver lining of this whole illness so i'll be brief in this part because there's a lot that came out of it but you know he started getting really good and recognized around the dc area and you know i posted some videos and they'd gone semi-viral you know he had instagram he had like 12 13 000 followers as a as a nine-year-old which yeah, was crazy and <clears throat> um, he was one of the first ones that started putting dribbling dribb uh, videos up on Instagram before Instagram actually blew up into yeah, what yeah. it is now. And um, anyways, we're, we moved to another place in Virginia, and mm -hmm. it had a basketball court two townhouses down. 
and I would go out and I'd sit in the grass and I would, you know, put him through, put him through drills. I'm not physically doing the drills, but I'm out there just watching him. And I, I, I could sit out there forever, you know, and, and as sick as I was. And he got really good. And then Steph Curry, which I'm sure everybody knows, biggest player yeah. in the NBA right now, yeah. um, did this insane dribbling combo layup. And yeah, yeah. my son saw it and decided to mimic it. And he did, and we posted it that night on his Instagram. And the next day, I'm getting calls from Sports Center, from you know several different you know news outlets, USA Today. I mean, literally, it went insane. So for the next two days, his account is blowing up. You know, all kinds of calls are coming in. You know, getting all these requests to have him on the news. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, news news companies from all over the country were coming in yeah. to like. To, to, to interview what him. Year, what year was this, do you think? I, was it like 2015, 2016, something like that? 20... Or was it later? 15... Yeah. yeah, I believe so. Okay. The the video is actually up on YouTube if anybody ever wants to look at it. Just, you know, search Noah Cutler, um, yeah. Steph Curry, and it's got like 36 million views. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. during this whole thing, it was the top trending topic on Reddit mm-hmm. for like an yeah, entire yeah, week. I remember. It, yeah, it, yeah. it, was, it literally broke the internet. And what people didn't know is the story behind it. Yeah. So the next day, you know, my phone rings. I'm getting a, a phone call from San Francisco, which I don't know anybody in San Francisco, mm-hmm. dude. And uh, it happened to be the office of the GM for uh, the Golden State Warriors. And yeah. they called me and they're like, hey, look, we want to fly you and your family out to, to Oracle Arena right after the year right after they won their championship. Yeah. So it's at the height of their, mm-hmm. their, 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 you know, their popularity. And I dropped the phone, dude, because I couldn't believe it. Um, and uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. They're like, well, when can we get you out here? And literally it was the next game. So we flew out um, what I believe was the next day. And my anxiety and my illness, once I got off the phone, I was so excited. But then I realized, how am I going to do this? Like, yeah, yeah. what what am I going to do? And Because um, I think what I met, like... The I met you I met you years earlier in right. Charleston I think for the first time but yeah then, at a car show I think but yeah. then again we reconnected because I lived in DC as well right right um, I don't know if I met you before or after I think it was before you like the whole thing with with Steph Curry and your son blew up if I'm not if I'm not mistaken um, this was in 2015 uh, I don't know if you remember when that was. Um, no, I, I know. Don't exactly. I remember, like, I kind of came to your to your house or whatever, and then we met up a couple more times. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I, 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 I kind of remember it being before then, so like before the whole Steph Curry thing. But I remember you being kind of like pretty sick at that time. I yeah. remember, yeah, like we, I came to your place because you weren't really like leaving, and I remember I was actually pretty sick then as well. Um, but yeah, that's my story is another story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, so when they contacted you, you know, you said, you know, you, you were pretty sick, right? You were, you were. Yeah. Like, oh, dude, I was still, you know, the, the, the highlight of my day would be getting yeah. to go outside and watch my son play basketball. And, and you were um, dealing with all the same symptoms from like yeah, this. Anything get better at that point? Literally at this point, dude, the only thing that I was doing was coaching basketball and yeah. crashing. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and that took everything and, and it, it literally, for the few moments I was, I was doing that, mm-hmm. um, it had helped and, you know, I, 
it, it was tough. So taking that phone call and then realizing that, hey, look, I need to figure out a way to do this. Like, there's not. So I remember packing our stuff and getting on the flight yeah. and just being an absolute mess, mm-hmm. knowing that it was a long flight to, uh, to yeah. I think we flew into San Francisco. Yeah. But um, I made it. I thought I was going to die the whole plane trip. Got there. They had, like, you know. So, hold on. Before, you, you told me something about this plane trip that I think you should talk about. Kind of, like, you know, before, as you got on the plane and stuff like that. And the, sh- the shit that you were saying to yourself, right? Isn't there something, like, a story about that? Kind yeah, of? yeah, there is. So, literally, oh, man, this is tough. So, yeah. you know, my anxiety was really, 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 really bad. And, yeah. you know, when I'd gotten on the plane, you know, I, I had headphones in. Hoods over my head, yeah. sunglasses are on, and I'm literally there, like, you know, talking to myself, telling myself that I wasn't going to die. Like, yeah. you know, it was it it was really really obvious that that I was a mess, and um, you know, it, it it just, you know, I I'm sitting there trying to self talk the whole time, and you know, didn't think that I was going to make it. You know, had asked the flight stewardess if if there was a way that we could like not do this. Like, I wanted to get off the plane. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, not that, it, that that I promote Ativan or anything like that. I'd taken that, and yeah. that kind of knocked me out. And there's a couple more, you know, details, but it just it wasn't a great flight yeah. dude, at yeah. all. It was it was a very very very. I, I was a mess the entire time. Yeah. But I knew that what I ultimately sold my told myself is like you know, get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah, yeah. And you know if. I was going to die. I was going to die doing something for my son that had done mm-hmm. it. I wasn't going to die. I'm literally getting on a flight. Yeah. That's that's my mindset. Yeah, yeah. So we, we land and like we're awestruck. You know, they had a limo for us. I mean, it was it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they get on, you know, we get to the hotel. There's care packages all over the beds yeah, and stuff yeah. like that with like Warriors merch and stuff. And then, you know, we get in and we get a, a and I'm, I'm freaking out the whole time. Yeah. Like this is exciting. This is literally the yeah. most amazing thing that could happen to a father, a sports fan, or anything, and I'm sitting here, like, sitting in the bathroom wondering, like, how I'm going to get through the day, because I didn't feel well yeah, at all. Yeah. So we get to Oracle Arena, and, like, we had VIP passes, we're walking through the locker rooms, you know, yeah, yeah. passing Clay, passing Steph, you know, seeing, seeing them, and, and the whole experience was amazing. And we, we get in there, and they'd given Noah his own locker room, like, they, they wow. had, like, a VIP locker room, and... um Sorry, it's it's so weird and so many emotions come up during the yeah. story, just a little bit anxious. But yeah. that that night, you know, the time difference and everything, we're in there, and I am an absolute mess in the arena, bro. Because yeah. there's it's packed, they're yeah, sold yeah. out, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's like in the height the, of their their right yeah. and, and the derealization, depersonalization, yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was also such a high because yeah. I can't describe what it was like. And then, you know, we're 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 sitting like not court side but like on those seats there like we didn't have like assigned seats they're like yeah, yeah. you guys are going to be moving the whole time we're going to take you here we're going to yeah. take you there yeah, yeah. and they they call him out on the loudspeaker bro mm-hmm. and like they're mm-hmm. like we we had a brief idea of what he was going to do and well actually let me rewind before the game you know Steph's warming up he's doing his two ball dribble and stuff and you know they brought him onto the court and they yeah, gave yeah. him two balls and he's killing it there next yeah, to Steph funny, yeah. and uh, I remember seeing that clip on yeah, Sports Center and, and, yeah, and, that, and that, that ends up on Sports Center and stuff and like there's all these cameras around and all the cheerleaders are surrounding Noah and stuff like that and it was just a, a surreal experience yeah. um, and uh, you know as that's going on like, like I said at, at halftime they call Noah out to the court 
and um, you know they 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 had this whole thing about you know can he do it and he literally yeah. nailed it the first yeah, time yeah. as like a as a nine year old like just I mean the, the the complexity of what he did was crazy for his age yeah. and the whole arena erupted like yeah. it, it that was the most dreamlike thing that I'd ever experienced in my life. I'm looking around and I don't know how many people Oracle Arena holds, but I mean, like 20 or 30,000 yeah, people, you know, yeah. 25, 30,000 people like on their feet standing, yeah. roaring for my yeah. son, dude. That's so cool. And, uh, you know, it, it was cool. So we go through that. I'm still a mess. You know, I'm, I'm tagging behind, you know, trying to put on the best mask yeah, possible. Yeah. And then after the game, you know, they bring us back in, in the room. So we got to watch the press conference and we go into another room and we're just sitting there. They're like, here, just see here for a second. And Steph came in, gave my son some signed shoes, some signed game shoes, and uh, just sat and talked with us. You know, it yeah, was so cool. Was a was a was a really cool experience to just kind of have a one on one intimate moment with him and, and get to hear about him. And you know, he 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 took his time, and it was a was a great experience. Got to meet all the other players, kind of backstage or not backstage, but back behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember leaving the arena at like two a.m their time yeah. so this like is like five, five yeah. my time I hadn't slept I am all just thing and you know they paid for us to stay in the city two more days and I don't know how like I went through San Francisco we went down to Fisherman's Wharf and my son was being stopped every like three minutes but hey can I get a picture hey can That's I get a picture funny, hey yeah. can I get a picture it's gotta be pretty cool but though. uh yeah it was a cool experience and we got home and I crashed hard dude yeah. I, I did but I was super grateful and thankful for the yeah. experience my son's social media was blowing up. We're mm -hmm. still getting calls from news stations mm -hmm. and, and whatnot, you know, wanting to interview him. We had, uh, Ellen had actually called us, not Ellen, but her producer had called us and said, hey, we want to have you come out here. Um, we ended up not going on the show because we did another talk show. And if one talk show does you, then, you yeah, know, yeah. the other ones don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, did some on-air radio interviews and um, some cool. interviews with ESPN. And it literally kept snowballing for like three months and yeah, yeah. packages being sent to the house and it was it was incredible but it was Noah kind of realized at that point that he you know it was something that he wanted to do and basketball and this is part of my healing story yeah. is even as sick as I was you know I started coaching yeah and went from coaching you know rec league to travel ball to you know high school basketball down there and you know, being transparent that I was sick, but yeah. I would put my entire heart into it. And, you know, I was always having a good assistant coach that knew yeah. that of my illness and was willing to, uh, you know, kind of stand in that. But it was, it was tough. You're going to say so, something? Yeah. So was that like that experience when like you had to get on the plane and like fly out to San Francisco, did that like kickstart any of this stuff? Like after you did that and you went through this yeah. experience? Oh like, yeah. So that was like a big, yeah. So, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of this and what we're doing is the healing yeah, dudes, yeah. the mind body healing essentially is, is facing your fears even yeah, when yeah. you're sick. Now exactly. I, I was bed sick and you know, no one could, you know, it's a miracle that I made that trip. Yeah, but yeah. after I did that, you know, I started to do more and more stuff uh -huh. and I still felt very, very sick. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I was still sure. very sick, but I decided to try and enjoy a little bit more life. Mm -hmm. And progressively I got to a level where, you know, I, I started doing small things yeah, and very small things, but coaching literally exhausted me. I, I, I gave it my, my blood, sweat and tears and I would come home and I'd crash. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, 
I, I fell in, I, I fell back in love with the game of basketball. I had a very healthy hate for basketball because I couldn't play any longer. Yeah, yeah. And um, there have been several times that I'd go and watch open runs at the local college, um, Shenandoah University, a small D3 college, but they'd have like five outdoor courts and I'd take Noah up there and I'd watch the grown men have open runs and literally do just sit there and sob yeah, because yeah. I, it's what I loved. I yeah, couldn't yeah. do it anymore. And um, I, ha I still haven't hooped to this day, you know, yeah, um, yeah. so it's a sore spot. But no, taking that first step, getting on the plane, doing all those things, I realized that maybe my body is more capable uh -huh. of doing things than I realized. And that, you know, when you get sick, you become in a depressive state, mm -hmm. you know, the anxiety takes over and your thoughts are all catastrophic. Exactly, yeah. So I, I wasn't really aware of mind-body healing or anything like that. And I'll... I'll snap through the, the next parts just so we can get to, to, to kind of the good stuff and some of the healing, which I am still sick, but I'm seeing progress. So, you know, fast forward, lots, lots of basketball, lots and lots of basketball and coaching. Yeah. We're on the road a lot. You know, I coach and crash, coach and crash, coach and crash. So, um, had a couple kids on the way and now a couple is four with an <laughs> extra one that I got living here. So technically five. And, um, you know, it, it just became a journey um, where basketball became a brilliant distraction of focusing on my health. And there were still highs and lows. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I still hit periods where I didn't want to live anymore because yeah. I wasn't a fully functional human and I wasn't even close to fully functional. And as I started getting more out into society, I realized that, or I thought that I needed to pretend to be someone that I'm really not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, yeah to, to wear a mask and, you know, when you're around guys, you want to, you be perceived as macho and tough. You don't want to be see, perceived yeah, yeah. as sick and, and hurting. So, you know, I did that. I essentially lied to myself and, you know, would pretend like I was healthy and crash when I got home. And not to, to go back, but in between this, all, all of this, there's tons of hospital stays and um, times in the cardiac ICU and ambulance rides and, you know, tons of different medications and all that. And, um, you know, Lyme is one hell of a journey. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I started to just spiral and we moved to uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I had yeah. taken a um, coaching job down there when I was there and, you know, Noah went to school and was coaching travel ball and school ball and just, yeah. it, it, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot, but it kept my head above water, you know. Yeah, so... When when did you get the Gillian Barr syndrome or whatever? Yeah, that's like another. So that that, that that actually ties in. So yeah. Gillian Barr, um, for you guys that don't know, when you have a chronic illness, you're more susceptible to it. It attacks your nerve endings, and essentially, you can lose all feeling. So I've had this happen twice. Yeah. Um, the first time that I had it, I was actually in Northern Virginia. I'd gotten it, and. Um, I was wheelchair bound and had to be pushed around in a wheelchair and was super embarrassed. Yeah. Um, think I should share the story about the tattoo? Like, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. So, so Gillian Barr, it, it basically makes you like it makes you numb. Like you, you can't feel, you can't feel okay, anything, yeah. and, and it can become deadly. Um, especially it gets your throat or whatnot. Yeah, you can't yeah. feel yourself swallow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it can be. So I'd lost feeling from my waist down. Yeah. So had incontinence. You know for lack of better words, was pissing myself, <laughs> you know, not, not fun stuff, man. Yeah. And, uh, that, that brought me to a pretty dark place. So I was dealing with that for about two months. So one sec, what call was it? You got another illness? Yeah, I got a viral infection. Okay, got you. Um, I had gotten the flu yeah. and then it, it just 
came out of nowhere, okay, like unsuspecting, dude. Like I couldn't feel anything from my waist down, and this had happened twice. So I had gone up to Canada on a whim to Niagara Falls because I needed to see something beautiful. I needed to get out of the house. Yeah, yeah. My family took me out of there, up there, pushed me around in a wheelchair. You know, I looked crazy, bro. Like I looked like the Unabomber. I had a hood over my head and sunglasses on and would curl up because I didn't want anybody to see who yeah, I was. I yeah, lost yeah. so much weight. Yeah. And, um, you know, I decided to get a tattoo, um, for a quote from one of my favorite books about fear and facing fear and, yeah. you know, that fear is an illusion. And it's a pretty big tattoo on my leg and I didn't feel when he was doing it and uh, the, the tattoo artist was like amazed. I'm not even flinching, bro. What's the, what's the tattoo, Sam? Um... I'd actually have to pull it up on my phone. I should know it by heart. Yeah. But it's 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 um from the book Dune. Yeah. Um, What's the you can at least I mean yeah no just a bit too if you don't yeah so it, it's you know essentially fear is the mind killer yeah and it's an illusion and that when you face your fears that there's nothing on the other side of it mm. but fear yeah, you know yeah. there's the old saying nothing to fear but fear itself yeah, exactly. it literally is an, a, a complete true. illusion yeah. and you know as you pass through it you're what remains uh -huh. so i did that i got the tattoo and as he was getting on the last sentence i started feeling tingling uh -huh. in the bottom of my foot which i was stoked dude because yeah. I, I hadn't had any feeling and you know I'm, I'm sitting back you know i'm going to back to the the hotel and like I'm just so amped that I could feel a little bit of yeah. uh, feeling in my uh, in my leg, and you know I woke up the next morning, bro, and I felt tingles everywhere mm. from my waist down, and I was shocked. Like I actually swung out of bed and put my feet on the ground, and I could feel my feet on the ground, dude. Uh, and that was the most amazing feeling ever yeah. because I hadn't felt that. Yeah. I thought we didn't. The doctors didn't know if I'd walk again. Yeah, wow. I mean, it That's was crazy. it was it was crazy, and we didn't share this with a lot of people because I was so embarrassed by it, dude. Yeah. And um, you know, sure enough, like as we went through and physical therapy and stuff like that, like you know, yeah. I, I was able to start walking again. So fast forward to when I moved to Myrtle Beach, I had gotten really sick. I'd gotten flu A and B, had a fever of 104, Yeah, ended up in Myrtle Beach, the hospital in Myrtle Beach, Myrtle yeah. Beach Regional Medical Center or something, I can't recall, yeah. and I started feeling the tingling in, in my waist again, and oh, wow. you know, I, 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 yeah, I freaked out because I didn't know what was happening, and sure enough, like, it, it, it started, but it wasn't as severe, like, I could still feel things. But I tried to stand on my legs and just yeah, immediately buckled. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, they wanted to do spinal taps. They didn't believe that I had Lyme, blah, 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 blah. And um, they were waiting for my fever to drop. They thought I'd gone septic. It wouldn't drop from 100, 104. Like, wow. So it was really sick. And then uh, actually, dude, like had a pastor come in and pray for me. And the next morning when I woke up, like, you know, I... The fever dropped. I still had the tingling in my legs and not had the strength, but you know, I was I felt like I was good to leave the hospital. So I did, but I couldn't walk unassisted without a uh, walker or yeah. um, initially for a walker. And the day that I got out, I had a game that I had to coach. So yeah. putting on a shirt and tie and getting in front of a, a large crowd at a school, you know, was kind of embarrassing. The idea of yeah. having to go out there and here I am. I'm going to have to use a walker in front of all these people. Like I'm already embarrassed yeah. and I'm sick. Yeah. But I did it, dude. Like, yeah. you know, I, I faced that fear. You know, I couldn't let my kids down. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I literally coached behind a walker. And it was the most, it was the scariest. 
because I, I worried so much about what people yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. And totally at that moment, like, I really started to shed all that. You know, I, I looked at that as facing my fear. You know, I looked down at the tattoo on my leg and yeah. as a reminder, like, yeah. who cares what these people think? You know, I made a, a commitment to these kids. Mm-hmm. These kids have made a commitment to me. I'm going to honor that. Yep. Like, I'm sick. I'm going to show up. And, uh, sure enough, I did, dude. And I'm, you know, people had stuff to say and it, it is yeah. what it is, bro. What can you do? And, I mean? uh, you know, that progressed to a cane and ultimately, again, I got all feeling back and, you know, I'm, I'm thankful and hope that it's not something that I have to deal with again. But all this kind of leads into where I'm at now. Yeah. And, and like I said, my story is much longer than an hour. You know, you're trying to cram yeah, yeah. 16, 17 years of illness in. Yeah. So I'm just hitting the highlights, but we moved from Myrtle beach down to Florida yeah. and, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a struggle adapting, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, I'm still coaching. I'm still around basketball. That yeah. is my distraction. And, uh, I'm, I'm just really down that, that I can't live a normal life. Yeah. I'm around people that are healthy and, uh, you know, just kind of started accepting that this was going to be it. This was the best that it was going mm-hmm. to be. And, um, when did you kind of get into like the mind body healing aspect? I know that we kind of like, you probably danced around it a little bit. I'm sure you yeah. heard stuff about, so, you know, people healing through, the mind-body approach. Mind-body approach. Right. But, like, when when did you really kind of start considering it? So, uh, I'll be honest, and I left out a huge part of this, but yeah. dur- during this whole thing, um, I had founded or co-founded yeah, yeah. with the thing, a, a huge Lyme nonprofit. So, you know, I, you know, spearheaded large protests at the CDC, IDSA, you know, fighting for Lyme patient rights, and that was, like, a huge part of my life yeah, yeah. for a long time. And I talked to a couple people in there that had gotten better mm-hmm. and um, talked to actually a, a bunch of people. Like I was able to talk to thousands of people inside the Lyme community when I started this nonprofit. And, you know, what I started realizing when these people got better mm-hmm. is they had some some common pillars. Like, And, and we actually talk about this on uh, one of these podcasts. Yeah, about the first the, episode that we're... Yeah, the, 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 fir- the, the first episode, you know, we go over those, but... One of the the common facts is I saw this mind body healing aspect, and they might not have referred to it as that, yeah, yeah. but it was essentially, you know, ch- shifting your mindset and and just living. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm not saying that you shift your mindset, you heal, and Lyme goes away, yeah. but there is a lot of science to back this up. So, yeah. fast forward to you know about eight months ago, um, I came across, you know, the programs, the DNRS, the Gupta, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the primal trusts, all those. And I tried to do them and they were, you know, the, the information's there, but it just felt so cumbersome yeah. and I couldn't stick with it, but I started seeing progress. You know, I started taking small walks and I'd be able to get out of the house and, you know, small walks eventually turned into a mile Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd started meditating and I started doing all these different things. And what I noticed is I actually had a friend that I was doing this with that we were seeing progress. We took 30 days yeah. and, you know, we, my diet's always been clean since I'd gotten sick. But, you know, I started trying to shift my mindset and how I talked and stopped identifying with the disease and calling yeah. myself a limey or a lime yeah, warrior yeah, or whatnot yeah. and realizing when people asked, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm feeling, no, I'm healing. That's exactly yeah, what I'd yeah, say is I'm yeah, healing yeah. so that my mind and my body yeah, would yeah. follow that. And, you know, we, 
we kind of shifted into just the idea that I'm going to heal, I'm going to get better. And I made a decision 16 years later after going through this and trying all these things, after, after I'd kind of given up and accepted this was the best it's going to get, that I'm going to live this way disabled, that I'm not. Yeah, yeah. That I made a choice to live. That I, I, you know, I've got four kids that that I need to be a father for. Um, that I need and deserve to enjoy life. You know, yeah. I'm 42 now. I got sick when I was 26. Yeah, yeah, lost a long, large chunk of my life. So, time. you know, we. I, I got into it and I fell off. And the accountability part's hard. Yeah, yeah. And this is kind of what ties in. Well this is where Joe comes in. This is what ties in is accountability and healing is so big. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sure. so huge. So Joe and I reconnected. Um, you know, we'd only seen each other briefly and you know, he was we struggling. Actually, we actually started talking. It was yeah. weird. Cause like last summer around this time, I, I remember we kind of like started chatting. I was living in DC at the time. And, uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, I was, I was, half and like I was halfway well but also still struggling health wise but I was working and doing whatever so anyways we randomly reconnected and I was like man I gotta get out of DC like it's just kind of toxic here after the pandemic and whatnot Mm -hmm. and that's when we started talking a little bit and I was like man maybe I need to move down to Florida and you were like yeah come on down to Florida and then we kind of just like joked about it didn't really talk about it but then you can you can go into you know yeah, you know, I I then relapsed, which we'll get into my story yeah. eventually. But Joe got pretty sick, and I mean, we we connected. I mean, I was sick, he was sick, he was really, really sick, and he'll tell the story in another episode. But I mean, he was pretty bad. And yeah. this is us being vulnerable. He was suicidal. Yeah, um, you know, I'd struggled with the things before, and you know, he was in a bad place, and I was like, yo, that's 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 my bro, that's yeah. my guy. Like, yeah. you know, let's 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 do something. So. I, I gave him an honest invitation to come down here, yeah. and it took some time, um, you know. And I think that everything happened at the right moment. Mm-hmm. But um, he ended up coming down here, and within weeks, I think you know we immediately got to work on what is now the Healing Dudes. Yeah, we yeah. had this idea that not only are we going to try and get better, we want to take people on a journey with us and hope that they heal with us so being so ingrained in the Lyme community and and, in advocacy and stuff like that I saw a really really toxic side of it of just people that are so attached to their diagnosis so we've both been there man yeah oh (laughs) I've and I'm not I've definitely been there where it became my identity and my life and you know I'm putting Lyme ribbons on my profile and and all this different stuff and you know I'm just reaffirming in my brain that that I'm sick and I have a chronic illness and I'm not going to get better and that I'm losing hope and that I'm trying all these different things, and little did I know how just how much you know power my words had. Yeah. So me and Joe talked, and we're like, "Bro, what if we shift this? What if yeah. you come down here and we give it everything we got to try and get better? We we mm-hmm. try this mind body approach. We we you know we clean up you know our already clean diet. You know we yeah. exercise. We do all these things that are conductive to a healthy body. Because guess yeah. what? If you are there and you're listening to this podcast and you're sick. And you're stuck in bed. I've been there. Joe's been there. Yep. And it is hard. It is difficult. But you have to get up. Yep. Unless yeah. you are dis- disabled to the point where like, yeah, like your bones don't work or you can't feel. You need to get up because by laying there, yeah. yes, rest is good in periods. But you're, you're, yep. 
you're, you're making yourself more sick by laying there. And I know that might not go over well with a lot of people, but it took me a lot to realize that. Yeah. And it took me months in walking. I felt like I was lightheaded. I was going to pass out when mm. I walked. We actually had an incident where I was walking the other day and literally mm. just, I felt like I was going to collapse. And I had to sit down in the yeah. middle of a shopping center and Barris telling Joe, like, bro, I don't think I'm going to I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> He's pouring water over my head. And I'm embarrassed because I'm sitting down in the middle of a freaking shopping center. Yeah. So we get it. You know, we've, Healing we've, is a journey. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a journey. And, you know, lots of anxiety and stuff. And I'm still, you know, I'm still fairly sick. It's still a struggle every day yeah. to get out of bed. But it's a fight that I choose to do. So as Joe came here... Yeah. We, you know, we were a little casual the first couple of weeks, but recently we've been hitting it pretty hard. And the, the whole healing dudes thing, as it came together, the whole cultivating a community of people that are healing, we meditated on it. We thought about it. I've prayed about it. Like he's, he's in it. And we've literally come to the conclusion now that we're doing a 30 day healing journey and having 30 people come on this journey with us as we try all these different modalities yeah. to push and try and get it. So I think now in in this journey, I haven't felt more healthy since we've been doing this. Um, this is this is the best that I've felt. Now, like I said, you know, I'm by no means a healthy individual. Um, yeah. This would probably take most people, and they'd be in bed with it. You know, oh, I yeah. think you know, but we've become so accustomed to it, and just I realize that you know, all these people that I've talked to over the years that have healed. There's a certain aspect of it, and this is kind of in what we talk about is is, is this mind-body approach, you know, the meditation. But it's not like you're just sitting there and yeah, yeah. doing a super spiritual thing. No, like you're literally meditating. You're tapping into your subconscious, and you're telling it, this is what I want in life. Yep. I, I want my body to heal. And if you don't believe that your body doesn't listen to your brain, take a person that's clinically depressed and ask them if their body aches yeah, or yeah, yeah, if they exactly. feel nauseous. Or, yeah. And yes, because our mind does control our body. And you know, for you guys that know about the placebo effect and, and all these strong things, yes, what our mind thinks our body does. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not 100%. saying that, that you know, I tell my mind, yeah. and you're going to get rid of Lyme disease. Yeah. No, but I do believe that I was built with an immune system that has the body, the ability to fight infections and that ultimately somewhere in our subconscious, we're responsible for that. And yeah. I, I believe that our mind state has a huge bearing on how we feel, mm -hmm. obviously. So what if you could get rid of your anxiety, your depression, your PTSD, all these things that come from chronic illness. And now you're left there. Yes, your body might ache. You might have cardiac symptoms. You might have all this stuff. But now you know what you can work on. And at least you're a happy individual because I guarantee that even still dealing with that stuff, you can still enjoy life. Yeah, yeah. It's getting out of that mindset mm -hmm. of being broken. So that's where we're at now. We're taking this journey. We're launching this platform. We're, we're, we're choosing to live instead of choosing to accept where we're at. I will no longer accept that I am a sick 42-year-old my mindset is that I want to get better and I want to get better to the point where I can reach goals again. I begin to dream again. You know, I, I meditate on what I want in the future and I meditate on it over and over day and day in day and day out. And I write it down and I write what I'm grateful for instead of mm -hmm. waking up and being, man, this hurts or that hurts or today's mm -hmm. going to suck. So when you see that shift in everything else that we're doing, I'm starting to see healing. Yeah, and yeah. for the first time in 16 years to experience that, 
I think is profound. And, you know, I started doing yoga and stretching and taking walks and, and being more mindful of the company I keep and who I talk to and how I talk. Yep. And these things have made a shift. And it's it's not easy. Healing is not easy. Yeah, we it's say it's up and down, man. Yeah, it's not linear. So right now where we're at is, you know, trying to get you guys to come on the journey with us. And that's that's even though we're what are we? We're about an hour into this. That's a very abbreviated yeah, part yeah, of my yeah. story. I could go on for uh, yeah, long, yeah, I could talk sure. for hours about it, but literally, you know, my heart is to help people and to to help yeah. them see that, you know, this uh, chronic illness <clears throat> excuse me is not the end of your life. Yeah, yeah. And that you can experience life and joy again and that we'd encourage you to guys to follow us on all of our platforms. It's at the healing dudes yep. and uh, our content. We're trying to put positivity out there into the chronic illness community and help y'all believe that healing's possible. And you guys can watch us our bad days. We're, yeah, we're, we're raw. We're, we're vulnerable. We're, you know, we wore masks for too long and there's too yeah. many people suffering and so much misinformation in the community. So we kind of hope to be a beacon of light and, yeah. and, and help people. And we're inviting people to take this journey with us, you know, that you can leave the toxic Lyme communities and toxic chronic illness communities and kind of pick yourself up because this is what I had to learn. And I say this all the time. No one is coming to save you. No yeah. one is coming to pull you out of the bed. Yeah. No one is going to there's, push you to your dreams. There's not also, there's not a magic bullet treatment that you're right. going to find. We, we, Josh has talked to every single person there is that has ever gotten better. <laughs> He's heard all of the, the bee venom and the rife and the, all of these, these things. And they may help some people, right? But they, you know, yeah, ultimately there, there's no magic bullet. Yeah. Either. There's, and there's no cure. And yeah. you know, that's going to make people upset. But if there was, guess what? People would be coming in mass towards that cure. And yeah. we'd see people in the thousands getting better. Yep. But the, the fact of the matter is there is no cure, but you can get better. Yeah. You, you can heal. And you can have life again. And Joe's a perfect example of that. And he's got his story coming up. But I want to thank you guys for listening to my yeah. very lengthy story. Um, nah, man. This is a great story, honestly. I feel like it's pretty yeah. incredible. People will, will find like a lot of uh, inspiration in it. And also just probably resonate a lot with what you've gone through. And you know, hopefully hopefully this entire thing leads people down the same path that we're we're going down because yeah. we both believe that this is the right way to heal. Yeah, and you that's know? I think that's the whole purpose of this podcast is we want to provide hope and let people know that they're not alone in this. And, you know, yes, no one's coming to save you, but we're putting our hands out, you know, if we can help pull people out. Yep. And you do the work, and we offer a community of support yep. that people start getting better. Yeah. And we can kind of shift this whole perspective and term chronic. I hate the term chronic, meaning yeah. that you're going to suffer yeah, the yeah. rest of your life. But we believe the exact opposite mm -hmm. that, you know, that you can experience life again, love again, that you, you know, I'm starting to dream and, 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 and have things that I want to pursue. So yeah. that's about it. That's my story. You know, like we said, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening guys. Uh, my story will actually be the next episode. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. You guys have a great night. Make sure you guys stay tuned in. Uh, make sure to subscribe all socials at the healing dudes. We're putting out great, inspiring content to help you guys. Oh, 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 oh,